Production. Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is Thursday, October 16th, 2008. Each human soul has landed on Earth to embrace and learn from our earthly experiences that characterize our spiritual growth and awareness. Look within to your higher self to begin to remember the higher plans that you made for yourself prior to your arrival in your current experience. Divine love and possibilities of transformation await you. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. I am a metaphysician, clairvoyant, and clairaudient intuitive, a writer, public speaker, PR and marketer, personal advisor to visionaries, leader, and spiritual teacher. Please explore more on my website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com or at www.dulcineasdivinevision.com. Thank you for joining the show this evening, wherever you may be listening. Tonight on Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from Robert Schwartz. In a personal session with the medium in 2003, author Robert Schwartz was astonished to speak with non-physical beings who knew everything about him not just what he had done in life, but also what he had thought and felt. They told him that he had planned many of his most difficult experiences before he was born. Realizing that a knowledge of pre-birth planning would bring great healing to people and allow them to understand the deeper purpose of their life challenges, he devoted the next three years to studying the pre-birth plans of dozens of individuals. The extraordinary insights that emerge speak to our heartfelt universal yearning to know why. During the next hour, Robert and I will delve deep into the spiritual truth of our earthly experiences in his profound book, Courageous Souls. Do we plan our life challenges before birth? This deeply transformative book offers vast insight into the likelihood that each spirit on earth has pre-planned their core earthly challenges and experiences prior to their arrival upon earth to ensure optimal spiritual growth and development within each soul. Welcome, Robert. Thank you for joining me this evening on Evolution Revolution. Thank you, Dulcinea. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. So what was the most intriguing element of pre-birth planning that arose for you personally in 2003 during your medium experience that led you to the creation of the book and mission, Courageous Souls, Do We Plan Our Life Challenges Before Birth? Well, Dulcinea, it was really just the concept that we actually plan difficult experiences for ourselves before we're born. You know, I had never heard of that concept before, and it was astonishing to me, but it made perfect intuitive sense as soon as I heard it. And, you know, the alternative is to believe that the suffering we experience in life is nothing more than random or arbitrary. Now, I'm not suggesting that people should believe in pre-birth planning because it feels good, although it does, but because after a number of years of research, with some very gifted mediums and channels who can access people's pre-birth plans, I came to the conclusion that what I was told in that session with the medium is true, that we do plan our lives before we're born in great, great detail. And in fact, we plan some of the most challenging things that happen to us for a number of reasons, but the primary one being that it fosters our spiritual evolution and those of the people around us. Yes, and so this awareness came to you through a personal experience with the medium, is that correct? That's right. I went into this session with the medium having never spoken with a medium before. I really didn't even know much about mediumship, and I wasn't even sure that I believed in it. But I was at a a personal crossroads in my life. I, I was working in the corporate sector in marketing communications and feeling very, very unfulfilled by the work I was doing. Uh, You know, I often say that I had the feeling that if I fell off the face of the earth, my clients wouldn't even notice. They would just plug someone else into my role and carry right along. So at the same time, I also had the feeling that there was a higher calling or a higher purpose for my life, but I didn't know what it was, and I wasn't even sure how to figure out what it was. And so it was really this search for meaning that led me to the session with the medium. Now, in that session, She introduced me to the concept of spirit guides, which again was something I was not familiar with. She explained to me that spirit guides are highly evolved, non-physical beings with whom we plan our lives and who then guide us through our lives after we incarnate. 
And through this particular medium, I was actually able to talk with my guides. They introduced this concept of pre-birth planning. They said to me, you planned many of your greatest challenges before you were born. And I just kind of shook my head and I said, why in the world would I have done that? And they said, you did this for purposes of spiritual growth. So we went on in that session. We talked a bit about what some of my challenges had been and why I had actually wanted before being born to have these experiences. Now, I can't overstate to you the effect that this had on me. This information was on my mind constantly in the days and weeks and months after this session, and it allowed me to go back over the course of my life, review the seemingly bad things that had happened, and in many cases for the very first time, see a deeper meaning or a deeper purpose to those quote-unquote bad things. For me, this was deeply, deeply healing, and I realized I was onto a concept that could bring similar healing to other people, and that was really what launched me on the path to writing Courageous Souls. What a wonderful personal experience to launch a mission of such service. <laughs> well, it, it, it really was a gift to me, a gift that my guides gave to me in that session. And, uh, you know, one of the things I started to explore after that session was numerology. And I came to the conclusion that uh, I, was, I had planned before being born to embark on my mission during my 40th year. And sure enough, that's exactly when this session with the medium took place. That is so, there is such divine alignment. It's like all the dots began to connect for your first 40 years in that experience. And, and I'm sure in the months proceeding that you were able to reflect upon the meaning of, of, of each little dot that was able to profoundly bring you understanding awareness of who you are and what your purpose was so then you could pursue that and find the fulfillment you were currently lacking at that time. Well, that's exactly what eventually happened. But it was a, a bit of a circuitous route to getting there. You know, after this session with the medium Dulcinea, I started to think about writing a book about how we plan our lives before we're born. But, of course, then I had to answer the question, if I'm going to write a book on this subject, how in the world am I going to find out what people's pre-birth plans are? The first thought I had was, well, we have the Internet now. There must be some people out there somewhere who actually remember planning their current lifetime. So I'll find them. So I got online, I posted notices on every New Age metaphysical and spirituality bulletin board I could find saying, author, writing a book about how we plan our lives before birth, if you remember planning your current lifetime, please contact me. Well, I heard from thousands of people all over the world, not a single one of whom remembered planning their current lifetime. They wrote to me with stories of past lives on Earth, uh, past physical lifetimes on other planets, non-physical lifetimes, and they were fascinating stories. But nobody remembered planning the current lifetime. And this went on for a period of months. So after a while, I began to despair of ever being able to do this research. And I sort of metaphorically threw up my arms to the universe and I said, I need help here. I can't do this by myself. And not coincidentally, within a very short time of making that statement to the universe, four very gifted mediums and channels contacted me offered to do the research with me, and they had the exact collection of skills I needed in order to research pre-birth planning. For example, one of the mediums actually has the ability to see and to hear the conversations we have with each other before we're born. So it was a natural partnership, and by working with her, I was able to eavesdrop, so to speak, on these pre-birth planning sessions, and I put the conversations that souls had with each other into the book verbatim, so people can actually hear what was discussed in these pre-birth planning sessions. One of the other mediums has the ability to channel someone's soul, someone's higher self. So by working with her, I could interview souls directly and say to them, what did you plan for the current lifetime and why did you plan it? And the other mediums had similar sorts of abilities. So by combining our various uh, talents, we were able to thoroughly research people's pre-birth plans and so the book Courageous Souls explains why certain people planned certain common challenges before they were born. It's an attempt to give suffering to uh, meaning to suffering that to a lot of people appears to have no meaning. And I focus on fairly common challenges because I wanted to make the book as helpful to as many people as possible. So there are chapters on the pre-birth planning of physical illness, uh, deafness and blindness, drug addiction, alcoholism, having handicapped children, 
the death of a loved one, and severe accidents. And each of the people I interview has multiple sessions with the mediums and channels so that we can cross-check the information that's coming through. And then all of this information about the pre-birth plan is presented in the stories and courageous souls. That is such a fantastic approach. It's it's very scientific oriented for a, a metaphysical topic. It's very much like case studies. And I love the fact that you had mentioned in the book that you use several different mediums because as one of the mediums said, each of them was like a professor in a university. They each had a specialty. And you were able to take each of their specialties to make a panoramic picture of what this individual's pre-birth plan was. Well, that's exactly right. And you know, when I think about my, my own pre-birth plan, I come from a very conventional background. I was raised in a conventional family in the Midwest, in Ohio. I have a very conventional education based on the scientific method. Uh, I actually have an MBA and was in the corporate sector. As I mentioned before, I went on this path. And so as I look at that and then I consider the work that I do now, it seems to me this is all part of my pre-birth plan to act as sort of a bridge between the mainstream and the New Age community and to bring these spiritual concepts more into the mainstream and present it as you say, in a somewhat scientific approach. Now, it doesn't actually utilize the scientific method. I, I, there was no way, of course, to conduct double-blind studies with null hypotheses and control groups, and I can't go to pre-birth planning sessions and empirically observe what's happening, or if I have that ability, I'm not aware of it. But by using different mediums and channels and, and therefore different sources, if you will, in spirit, we were able to get uh, complementary information about each person's pre-birth plan and cross-check the information that was coming through in the different sessions. And so it, it, it is a form of research that I think uh, people in more, in, who are in the mainstream are open to it and, and they find it plausible. And so it's sort of a bridge between the, the New Age community and the mainstream community. Yeah, you know, when I was reading it, um, having a, a very strong scientific background with biology and psychology, and I started, I too had a very traditional you know, upbringing and I was very much of a research-oriented biologist with DNA and on a cellular level, <laughs> definitely scientific method oriented. And as I evolved um, in my own awakening into psychology and into human service and more of a community um, big picture approach, what I found, as I, again, as I read the book, was where, where this fit was like a merge of developmental psychology studies because generally in developmental psychology they do very much of a case study because that's really all that developmental psychology can permit. And then it was also an integration of what we would call energy or paranormal psychology. And then you, again you used a very strong grounded approach with using your expertise and, and your background. So I found that what you bring is really a very, very powerful concept that people in the everyday world can appreciate and will listen to because it does have a sound backing and it does have a multiple angle approach. And again, you do a fantastic job at making concepts that are highly emotionally charged, very neutral. Well, and Dulcine, that's a gift. <laughs> thank you, Dulcine. I, I appreciate that. Um, the, the reason that Courageous Souls is, is a collection of personal stories is to, to make it accessible, to make these concepts accessible to people who may not be familiar with them already. You know, it, it would have been possible for me to write about pre-birth planning in a more abstract, intellectual, theoretical sort of way, but then these metaphysical and spiritual concepts would have remained arcane, and I, I didn't want it to be like that. So the personal stories and the focus on the individuals and their lives those stories serve as access points for the reader, and it, it's a way to, to bring them into these concepts without making it too abstract or theoretical. Absolutely, and as I read through the stories, it allowed me to reflect on if I had similar experiences or if I had matching what I would call from a clairvoyant terms, matching pictures with these individuals of things that I had planned in my own life or it would just bring up awareness, like a deja vu moment, of something that I had planned that related to the story. So I think the stories really foster as a mirror for the reader, which is the best tool that um, any spiritual teacher may, can offer. <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate that. One, one of the uh, things I should point out about the stories, uh, you know, sometimes people say, well, 
I'm facing a particular challenge, so I'm just going to read the one story about the person who's, who has faced what I'm going through now. And that can certainly be very helpful. But what I found in the research for Courageous Souls is that sometimes very different challenges are planned for similar underlying reasons. So let's say you are a parent of a handicapped child and you'd like to understand uh, the spiritual meaning of having a handicapped child. You could read the chapter on having handicapped children and you might very well uncover the spiritual meaning there, but you might also find your motivation as a soul in one of the other stories of somebody who faces a very different challenge. For example, someone who planned a drug addiction or the death of a loved one or a severe accident they might have planned that very different challenge for reasons similar to why you plan to have a handicapped child. And so it, it, I encourage people to read all the stories because you could find yourself in any one of them. Absolutely, that is true. And then, of course, when we have a theme that resounds with us, it's even more appealing. I mean, it's like the exact issue, but, but it is so overlapped and multifaceted, and I could relate to every story. I think that that really illustrates the principle of oneness. Well, oneness is one of the big themes in the book and, and one of the things I talk about in my commentary on some of the stories. Uh, you know, oneness is another one of these metaphysical concepts that, uh, particularly for people who haven't heard it, it can be very abstract and arcane, but by presenting it again in a personal story format, I think it, it takes the what could be an arcane concept and makes it accessible to people. Sure. So when you were doing the research for the stories and with these individuals, what was that experience like and how did that help fuel your own awareness and your own acceptance of your pre-birth plan? Well, it, it was really a fascinating experience. Uh, to take an example, in working with uh, the medium who can see and hear our pre-birth planning sessions, her name is Stacy Wells, Th this for me was just absolutely thrilling because it was as though I was being transported to the other side and taken to someone's pre-birth planning session. It was as though I were there witnessing the entire thing. And, and I could hear souls talking to each other, and they were talking about these very great challenges that they were going to plan and why they wanted to experience them. And it, it was really like being transported to another world. And again, the, the effect that this had on me is that it would cause me to stop and think about the deeper meaning of things that were happening to me that, that very day or maybe the next day. You know, something might go wrong in my personal life, and instead of uh, becoming angry or upset as I might have in the past, uh, I would move beyond that faster, and I, I would say to myself, all right, I know now that I am the creator of everything I experience. Either I planned it before I was born, or at least I'm creating it vibrationally right now. So knowing that, why am I creating this experience for myself? And so I would stop and think and look for the deeper meaning. Now, I couldn't always determine what the deeper meaning was, but just by asking that question, it had the effect of taking the mundane events of life and imbuing them with a deeper meaning, a deeper purpose. And this just made life so much richer for me. It also had the effect of uh, allowing me to forgive more easily if I felt that someone had wronged me. Uh, I think it made me a more compassionate and a more empathetic person. And it, I think it also made me more gentle with myself. So there, there were many, many uh, aspects of personal growth that came out of doing this. And when I think about my own pre-birth plan, I understand now that the book is really a tool to foster my own personal growth. Yes, it's my mission and it's a form of service to the world, but the primary purpose from my soul's perspective is that it's a tool to foster my own growth. And knowing that, uh, I understand that it's important for me to do the inner work and not just write the book. I have to do both at the same time. Absolutely. And I think every good spiritual teacher takes that approach. It's a, it's a humbling approach. But it's also where we get human, humans being human to human, which is where the heart opens up because there's compassion, wisdom, and gentle insight, which well, really shine through courageous souls. Thank you. I, I appreciate that very much. Yes. And, you know, I would like to touch upon one story in the book. Um, it was with Sharon and Tony, 
And Sharon is the mother of a, a young gentleman named Tony who has an addiction problem. What was your experience with, with that story, and what can you offer as insight with that experience? Well, the story here is that uh, Sharon Dembinski, and, and that is her real name, she used her real name in the book, uh, is a nurse in the New England area, and her son's name, as you mentioned, is Tony. Tony, for a, a long period of time, uh, had a heroin addiction. And when we uh, worked with Spirit and worked with the mediums and channels, we were told that Sharon and Tony discussed his heroin addiction before either one of them was born, and they both agreed to have this experience. Now, Sharon's story is written from her point of view, from the parent's point of view. It attempts to answer the question, why would a parent plan before birth to have a child with a serious drug addiction? We didn't inquire as to why Tony himself wanted to have the heroin addiction. We did get some information about that, but primarily we were told that uh, he had planned this for purposes of his own, and then after coming to the decision that he wanted to have this experience, he approached Sharon, and again, this is in spirit before either of them had incarnated, and he said to her basically, would you be the mother who shepherds me through this heroin addiction? Uh, we asked if the drug heroin had been dis discussed excuse me, specifically, or was that more of an arbitrary choice? And, and we were told by Spirit, no, this, was, this drug was chosen specifically because it is so powerful. Uh, it would give Tony the experience he wanted. It would create an intense bond between mother and son. And it was exactly the experience that they were looking for. We were also told that Sharon is a highly evolved soul who actually had moved beyond the reincarnation cycle. She did not need to come back into body. But when Tony came to her in spirit and asked, would you be the mother who guides me through this, out of her great love for him, because they had shared many lives together previously, she agreed to come back into body. So it's really a form of service to Tony. And the reason that I wanted to put this story in Courageous Souls and, and the reason really I chose all the stories that I, I ended up putting in the book is that so often when something bad happens to us, we don't see any deeper meaning to it. We think that it's just random or arbitrary suffering, that the universe is punishing us, that God is punishing us, that we must have done something bad in a past life, and now it's karmic retribution. And what I wanted to explain to people is that while there may be an aspect of karmic balancing that motivates the planning of a life challenge, it's not a punishment. It's a growth opportunity, and it's not a random or arbitrary event. It's when something major like this happens, the chances are very, very high that all involved agreed to it and planned it before they were born for their own personal growth. Now, people who have never heard of the idea of pre-birth planning have a very difficult time wrapping their minds around this, and they say, well, why in the world would anyone plan to suffer like that? Why would a mother plan the kind of suffering that she went through when her son had a heroin addiction? The answer to that question is that our perspective from the soul level is very different than it is here in the third dimension on the human level. You know, here, from a human perspective, when we are suffering, life seems to be very long. It may seem to go on endlessly. But from the perspective of the soul, a lifetime is really as brief as a clap of thunder. It's here, and then it's over. So. The soul knows that suffering is very ephemeral, very transient, very brief. And from that perspective, we're willing to take on challenges that when we get here, we don't quite understand why we'd want to have that experience. The other difference between the human perspective and the soul level perspective is that when we're going through great suffering here in our lives, we may feel that we are being permanently hurt or damaged in some way by the experience. But from the soul level, we know that no one is permanently hurt or damaged by anything that happens here. So, and yet at the same time, the wisdom that comes from the challenge becomes part of the soul for literally all eternity. So when you combine the fact that a lifetime is really very brief and no one is permanently harmed by anything that happens here and the wisdom that comes from the experience is part of the soul for all eternity, then it makes a lot of sense that a soul would plan something like being the mother of a son who has a heroin addiction. And this is why Sharon and Tony agreed to have this experience. So in the book, Courageous Souls, I'm, I'm reaching out to uh, people who have had this kind of experience, either as 
the one with the addiction or the parent who has the child with the addiction, and I'm saying to them, this is not necessarily a quote-unquote bad thing, and it's not random, it's not arbitrary, and it's most certainly not meaningless. It's something that you most likely planned before birth, and it's rich with meaning. And when you start to ask the question, why would I have planned this, that's how you get at the underlying meaning. And you take an experience that might just seem terrible, and suddenly you find some pearl in it, some underlying meaning that totally transforms the way you look at it. And that's really what Sharon and Tony's story is all about. Wonderful. I thought that was a really fantastic story, and I felt that it took a lot of the principles that I gathered through all of them and really brought them into a great perspective. So that was a great analogy. But again, you do a great job of covering physical illness, and a lot of people feel like, how could I be held captive to a disease like AIDS or cancer? Or how could I be a victim of having a handicapped child or of a, a husband with alcoholism or how come I was 18 years old and lost my boyfriend or fiancé or husband or mate in the accident section. So you really take a lot of the perceived human sufferings and bring a light into them and show that there's a bigger picture than what we are seeing within our limited box minds (laughs) in the third dimension. And I really appreciate that perspective. And I think that obviously with the success of Courageous Souls, do we plan our life challenges before birth, that many people are feeling validated, understood, and I think feeling a sense of relief from that the idea that there is something more than just this existence and this mundane energy that we all encounter that is so low vibrating and so dense here on earth. And I want to also, please please go go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay, I wanted to ask you, speaking of the low dense energy, you do a great job also of bringing the concept of learning through opposites through the book. And I wanted to touch upon how learning through opposites is important and how that's why we all, another reason we also encounter the sufferings and then also how you found that trend amongst all of the individuals that you interviewed? Learning through opposites refers to uh, a life plan, and it's a very, very common type of life plan, in which the person plans before birth to be in circumstances in which they are going to experience the lack of something that they would very much like to experience or cultivate within themselves. So to take a very simple example, let's say that a person is born into a family that is lacking in compassion. As this person is, by our standards, mistreated within the family, the lack of compassion external to the person has the effect of forcing them to look within. It drives them within to find their own compassion, experience that, and then hopefully, at some point in life, bring that forward to share with the world. In other words, it's a a way of learning the value of something through its absence, The absence of something is what teaches us its worth, its value. And this was a pattern that I saw again and again in these pre-birth planning sessions. It it was not something I had ever heard of before doing the research for Courageous Souls, but after doing a number of these, this pattern emerged where I I saw souls planning situations in which they would experience the lack of something that they wanted to learn about or to experience. And so it came up again and again and again and again. For example... One of the stories in the book, uh, in the chapter on the pre-birth planning of drug addiction and alcoholism, is the story of a man, Pat, who wanted to uh, have the experience in this lifetime of reestablishing a spiritual connection with God. He had had a number of past lives in which he had lost his spiritual connection with God. He saw this in his life review after those lifetimes, and he said to himself, I want to set up a, a situation, a lifetime, in which... I motivate myself while in body to reestablish my spirituality, the spirituality that I've lost in these past lives. So what he does is he incarnates into a family in which there is a genetic tendency toward alcoholism. And he knows because of the genes and because of other circumstances in the family of origin that he is going to become an alcoholic in this lifetime. And what his soul is hoping he will do is utilize the pain caused by the alcoholism to eventually turn away from it and turn toward God. Now, 
Pat experienced several decades of alcoholism until much later in life. Uh, finally, one day, he came home from work. He was living alone. He drank every last bit of alcohol that was in the house. He fell, literally fell to his knees in, in his living room. And in a moment of great anguish, he called out to God for help. And Pat told me in his interview for Courageous Souls, he felt God's presence in that moment. And a few weeks later, he checked himself into rehab and never took another drink again. Then when he got out of rehab, he became an extremely spiritual person, and he is now a, a shining light to all those around him. So he took the experience of alcoholism and utilized it in exactly the way his soul had hoped he would. Now, something that's important to understand here is that we as the incarnate personalities always have free will. So while our soul may be hoping that we use a life challenge in a particularly positive way, as Pat did, you always have another choice. You know, Pat could have remained an alcoholic for his entire life. He might never have reestablished his spirituality uh, if he had chosen not to. But fortunately, uh, although it took several decades, he did finally use the experience to do exactly what his soul hoped he would. Uh, another thing I would point out about Pat's story you know, I, I think there are certain categories of people in our society, like alcoholics, uh, drug addicts, the homeless, people with AIDS, people in categories like that and similar sorts of categories, we tend as a society to judge. We say that these people have made mistakes, uh, that they're not living their lives properly, that they need to get their act together. We have a whole host of judgments around all of those sorts of life challenges. And one of the things I found in my research for Courageous Souls is that very often these kinds of experiences, alcoholism, drug addiction, homelessness, AIDS, sort of uh, experiences that we would consider shameful in some cases, these are very often planned before birth for a wide variety of reasons. And it takes a great deal of courage to execute a life plan that includes one of those challenges. So I would submit to your listeners, if you're walking down the street someday and you see a homeless person sitting on the corner in a cardboard cardboard box, and you think to yourself, get a job, then you're really missing the point because it's very possible that that person was in your pre-birth planning session and they agreed to be there at that particular moment. And yes, the planning is that detailed so that you could walk by and experience yourself as compassion so that you could learn greater compassion. So that person it may be there in service to you rather than judge them as a failure or someone who needs to get it together and get a job. I think the, the more enlightened response is to be grateful, to say thank you, to recognize that that person is there as your teacher. And this is true for people who have AIDS, drug addiction, alcoholism. They come in very often as our teachers. And yes, they choose those experiences for their own learning and growth, but also to teach us. Uh, you know, one of the other stories in Courageous Souls is a gentleman whose name is John Elmore, who planned before birth to have the AIDS virus. When we went into John's pre-birth planning session, we actually heard the conversation between him and the soul who would become the lover who gives him the AIDS virus. And one of the things they talk about in that pre-birth planning session is that they were shown scenes of what the world is like today, and they concluded that it's a very judgmental, intolerant place. They decided they wanted their life mission to be that of bringing greater tolerance into the world, and so they chose to take on what is arguably the most shame-based illness in the world today because they saw it as a way to teach people, hopefully, to be more tolerant, to be less judgmental. And yet we look at people with AIDS and we say, and you, you know this, Dulcinea, people say things like, well, uh, he didn't use protection or he must have been promiscuous or he deserves that. And some people actually even believe that AIDS is God's way of punishing homosexuals for being homosexuals. And yet what's really happening here underneath that sort of superficial interpretation is that you have some very, very courageous souls coming in, taking on this enormously difficult challenge to be our teachers, to teach us to be less judgmental and more tolerant. So rather than condemn them, I would suggest that we be grateful to them for their courage and for taking on these challenges to teach us. I'd like to just bring up the point that will add nicely to that is what is the role of unconditional love in the remembrance of who you are? I, I think that the main, the bottom line purpose, when you get right down to it, 
for having life challenges is for people to remember that they are loved. And let me explain what I mean by that. When I first started to research Courageous Souls, uh, and it was actually just a few weeks after that session with the medium that you and I talked about, I had a, a profound experience that changed my life and that really serves as the basis for the book. I was uh, in my apartment in Evanston, Illinois, one afternoon, just doing my sort of corporate work, decided to take a break, and I went for a walk down the street. And suddenly, as I was walking along, I was overcome by this feeling of overwhelming, unconditional love for every person I saw. And I remember this so clearly because the first person I saw was a cab driver sitting behind the wheel of a cab waiting for a fare to come along. And I felt this overwhelming, unconditional love for him. And then I looked up and I saw a man's barber shop on the corner. I looked through the window and I saw the barber cutting someone's hair and I felt this same great unconditional love for both of them. And then I saw a young woman, a, a young mother, pushing an infant in a stroller down the sidewalk and I felt the same great unconditional love for them. And everywhere I looked, every time I saw a person, I had a feeling of overwhelming love for that person. Now this experience only lasted about an hour or so and nothing quite like that has happened to me since then. But it doesn't have to, because when you have an experience like that, it stays with you forever. And even though I had never heard or read of such an experience, I knew when it was happening what it was, which is I was in some sort of enhanced immediate communion with my own soul. It's as though my soul were saying to me, this love is who you really are. This is your true nature. And I believe, Dulcinea, that my soul gifted me with that experience because when I went on to do the research for my book, Courageous Souls, and I went into these pre-birth planning sessions with the mediums, every single session we looked at, without exception, we found that the pre-birth planning was based on unconditional love. And this was true even when a quote-unquote negative role was being scripted. So we heard again and again souls expressing unconditional love for each other and also for themselves. Every pre-birth plan was based on this kind of unconditional love. So I believe that we as souls are made literally from the energy of unconditional love. I also believe that the realm we come from, the non-physical realm, is as, very much as it's classically portrayed, which is to say it's a realm of great peace and joy and love and light. Now, if we are love and we are in a realm in which there is only love, that means we experience no contrast to ourselves. And from the soul's perspective, that means the soul doesn't completely understand or appreciate what it means to be made from the energy of unconditional love. So what do we do? Well, we come here to this realm of duality. In other words, up and down, left and right, hot and cold, good and bad. Because here, there's plenty of contrast to love. And it's this contrast that calls us into remembrance of who we really are, particularly if we can express love unconditionally in the face of these very difficult life challenges. From the soul's perspective, when you encounter a great life challenge, one that's planned before birth, and you respond to it with unconditional love, from the soul's perspective, that has the effect of bringing the soul into a more profound self-knowing of what it means to be made from the energy of unconditional love. It's, it's almost as though, let's say after you uh, conclude our interview today. Uh, God forbid if you were walking down the sidewalk on your way home and a tree branch fell and hit you on the head and you had amnesia, what would happen from that point on? Well, your family, your friends, everyone who loves you would undertake what amounts to a massive re-education project. They would pull out every email that you had sent to them, every letter you'd written, every photograph that you were in, and they would re-educate you about who you really are. Now, you having no memory and being this, in this amnesiac state, you would pay very close attention to every little detail that was being given to you. And because you were paying such close attention, you would come into, in some ways, a more profound self-knowing of who Dulcinea is. And this, I think, is what the soul is up to on this plane. We come in in this state of amnesia where we forget that we are love. We go through these very difficult challenges which are intended to get us to remember that we are love. And when we can do that under those very difficult circumstances, then we have a much better understanding and appreciation of who we really are. 
I couldn't agree with you more. And and I too have had an extremely interesting um, life experience in my years. And I have been in a very deep awareness and personal growth process since about 2002, probably late 90s is when it first started, but went up a notch or two in in the early uh, 2000s. And I intuitively went, there is no way that my life could be the way that it is just because there are too many variables that don't make sense. There is such a bigger picture. And I remember looking up and just saying, universe, God, please bring me the bigger picture understanding of what is going on here. And immediately I started seeing myself as a child. And um, I would, when I was a child, I was extremely, extremely psychic. And I would be able to go into other universes and communicate and bring the information back down very consciously. And so they showed me glimpses of me doing that, and, and they would just always show me in this white light. And, and I really was able to grasp that there is a bigger picture for every single event that I've had in my life. And that has allowed me to become who I am today. And it's also allowed me to be up, upon the path that I'm on. And, and I find that if all of us could grasp the gift of the of the life that we've been handed, no matter how it appears from a mind perspective, then we can truly grasp the depth of the unconditional love that is the element of our eternal being. Well, and, and, and that's a, a very good explanation of why I wrote the book Courageous Souls, is to let people know that we, we don't live in a cruel universe. Yes, there is suffering, but underlying it all, even though it may not look that way, there is unconditional love. And uh, some people feel when, when they look at courageous souls that they need to figure out exactly what they planned and why they planned it and what everything means. And it's wonderful uh, if you embark on that path and if you have success in doing that. But really the, the main idea is simply to understand that there is a deeper meaning, a deeper purpose to everything that happens, particularly the most challenging things that happen. And even if you still don't know why they happened, just knowing that there is meaning makes the suffering that much easier to bear. Yes, it really takes us from a perspective of, I'm not a victim. There is an opportunity to learn something that may serve my higher good in this moment. Right, and, and that also is one of the main reasons I wrote Courageous Souls, is to help get people out of that victim mentality. You know, we were talking a moment ago about John, the person in the book who has AIDS. Uh, when he first learned that he had the AIDS virus, he felt, and, and understandably, I think, that he had been victimized by his former lover. But as John comes into an understanding of his own pre-birth plan, then he can move out of that victim mentality. And even beyond that, he, he can start to have greater self-esteem, greater self-respect, and greater self-love because he comes to understand that he took on this challenge to be a world teacher. And that, that really is a remarkable perspective for someone with AIDS to have. And in each of the stories in the book, I, I try to communicate that sort of perspective where the person can give up the victim mentality and really foster a lot of self-esteem and self-love by understanding the underlying reasons for why they took on the challenge. Yes, and I recall in the book that you had mentioned that self-love was another major premise for why souls would it choose to incarnate on earth in their circumstances. Yes, you know, what, what's happening in the pre-birth planning sessions, uh, there's a great deal of focus on service to others. In fact, uh, I saw that in every single pre-birth planning session we looked at. But no soul is entering into anything that is not also based on self-love, that, that does not also provide for that particular soul's learning and growth and evolution. And so you have these, these twin motivations going on at the same time. Love of others, which manifests as a desire to be of service to others, and love of self, which manifests as a desire to plan challenges that will foster one's own personal growth, and they go hand in hand. They they absolutely do. When we, I, I think um, there's a great bumper sticker that we see: when we change ourselves, we change the world. <laughs> That's right. If we all would adhere to that, we'd have a ma- an amazing world. <laughs> absolutely. So we're speaking with Robert Schwartz, author of Courageous Souls, Do We Plan Our Life Challenges Before Birth? 
You can find Robert on the web at www.courageoussouls.com. Again, that's www.courageoussouls.com. You can also link up to Robert through the Evolution Revolution homepage at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. I wanted to let the audience know that Robert's website is an extremely rich resource. You can order the book. Um, There's also some great opportunities to look into what the book offers through the challenges we face, such as physical illness, death of a loved one, deafness. Um, One of the great tools that I found on your website, Robert, was a meditation that you present to access your pre-birth plan. And so for anybody who's out there going, I want to know my birth plan, pre-birth plan, I want to know, well, you can help yourself. And so all you have to do is go to www.courageoussouls.com and find that meditation to access your pre-birth plan. And it's just one page, and you can grab the sheet and go climb into a space that you can go into your higher being and just really look into what information you can bring forth. And of course, if you get stumped, then you can find a medium to assist. And Robert does a great job in his book, Courageous Souls, in the appendix of including the four individuals who helped him create Courageous Souls, the book. And um, any of them are readily available. Um, Their information is there. And in addition to that, you also have some great reviews by readers, which is always important. And I also noticed on Amazon.com you have a, a great following. So anybody who is thinking, oh, should I get this book, go ahead and read some of those reviews, and I know that you'll pick it up. <laughs> That's wonderful. And um, speaking engagements, events, radio, and more. So feel free to go explore Robert at www.courageoussouls.com. So Robert, who do, who do each of us talk to during the in-depth conversation that we have before we drop down to earth? And then where does the conversation occur? We talk to all the major people who are going to be in our life uh, and many, many of the minor people as well. The, I found that the planning is extremely detailed uh, to a level that is really beyond human comprehension. Uh, for example, one of one of the people, uh, Bob Feinstein, who is in a chapter on planning uh, blindness, when we went into his session, we found that he had planned the schools that he was going to go to, uh, the friends that he would have in those schools as a child, the homes that he was going to live in, some of them for only a few months at a time. So the planning was really very, very detailed. But uh, in Courageous Souls, we focus, of course, on the conversations with the major people who are going to be around at the time of the life challenge, whatever that happens to be. And uh, we present these conversations verbatim in the book so that people can get a sense of what it is that souls talk about. Now, I I, I should mention, when I refer to putting the conversations in the book, souls are not actually sitting around in these pre-birth planning sessions speaking English to each other. Uh, The communication is telepathic, by which I mean it's both instantaneous and complete. And probably some of your listeners have had the experience of telepathic communication with a guide or an angel. So when I say instantaneous and complete, you know that it's really uh, an immediate download of information. What happens in the book is that uh, the medium's spirit guide translates the telepathic communication into English words. So it, it is a translation, but in my opinion, a very, very good translation and one that's, of course, necessary for us to understand what it is that the souls said to each other telepathically. Now, your other question was, where did these conversations occur? What we found is that uh, there's actually uh, particular buildings on the other side with particular rooms where the pre-birth planning takes place. And these buildings are created by mutual consent and by thought. In other words, the souls that are planning the upcoming incarnation agree together that this is where the planning will take place. And as you probably know, Dulcinea, thought is instantly creative on the other side. So they think the building and the room into existence. And uh, the medium, Stacy Wells, also found that it, within this room, there were certain common tools that were used in many, not all, but many of the pre-birth planning sessions she saw what looked very much like a chessboard to her, and this was used to map out the different stages in the lifetime. She also saw something that looked like a flow chart, and it was used by the souls to take into account 
all of the various contingencies that might come up as we exercise our free will. So as you know, a flow chart is uh, a diagram which basically says if you choose A, then X happens, but if you choose B, then Y happens. And at each of these major decision points in the lifetime, the souls were using these uh, flow charts to map out contingencies and to take into account what might come up based upon the free will decisions of the personality. So again, it, it was at a level of intricacy and detail that is really beyond human comprehension. It's so hard for us to grasp that there would be free will when we start trying to box in our pre-birth planning conversations. That's what I find, at least in my own mind. <laughs> that, that's a, a very difficult question to get at. Uh, my, my sense is that life challenges are planned with varying degrees of probability. So, in other words, if the experience is very, very important to the soul, it's planned at a high probability, and uh, you might be able to use your free will to sidestep it, but most likely you won't be able to do that because your guides will then work overtime, so to speak, to bring the experience back to you because it is so important to the soul. Uh, but then there are other challenges that are planned as lower possibilities and as contingencies. For example, in the chapter on the pre-birth planning of physical illness, there's a story of a woman, Doris, who gets breast cancer. And what we find when we go into her pre-birth planning is that it was set up as a contingency that might or might not happen depending upon certain free will decisions that she made. Now, as it turns out, she made those decisions that led to the breast cancer. But again, here the breast cancer is not a punishment for making those choices. It's the learning that she needs because she made those choices. So it, it's really a gift to her. And that's the point that, that we try to get across in that story, and that's why that story is in the book. Yes, yeah, so really the connection to the choice-consequence uh, paradigm. That's right. Absolutely, and I definitely support that in my own ideas and teachings. And, and so that, again, really helps us to feel empowered as we read through Courageous Souls that we choose to respond as a victim or choose to respond proactively. And when we choose to respond proactively, we can become empowered through those challenges and through the awareness that we actually have the free will to choose love or to choose fear. And therefore, why would we even consider choosing fear? Well, that, that's absolutely right, Dulcinea. And that really is the choice. You know, at, at every point in life, you have basically two options, love or fear. And when you become aware of that, it makes it easier to make the loving decision. Yes, which is why we are all ultimately here from the core of our being. <laughs> That's right. So the number one reason that we incarnate on earth is? To experience contrast. And this is what I was talking about earlier when I talked about the soul being love, coming from a realm in which there is only love, and wanting to have an experience of contrast in order to understand what it means to be made from the energy of unconditional love. And it's this realm of duality, the third dimension, that is rich with experiences in contrast, and that's the number one reason why we come here. Absolutely. We are speaking with author Robert Schwartz of Courageous Souls. Do we plan our life challenges before birth? You can find Robert on the web at www.courageoussouls.com. All human beings have chosen a destiny arrival upon earth to explore and remember human compassion, love, joy, truth, peace, and all of the elements that comprise the eternal aspects of your being. Be certain that love is the foundation of yourselves, all of life, and be willing to embrace the lessons that are on the forefront in your life with a commitment to unconditional love and abundant compassion, as the truth will set you free. Please remember that service is the path of truth, so look within, seek your heart, and have confidence that the inner divine compass will not fail you. Next week on October 23rd, Dr. Amit Goswami will radiate his deep universal wisdom and scientific knowledge of physics and the quantum worlds, offering expanded consciousness and divine awareness. In his revolutionary book release, God is Not Dead, what quantum physics tells us about our origins and how we should live. Dr. Goswami was also featured in the epic movie release of 2005, What the Bleep Do We Know? 
On October 30th, Barbara Hancraw will offer a look into the higher realms with her multidimensional expertise and revolutionary concepts from her book release, Alchemy of Nine Dimensions, Decoding the Vertical Axes, Crop Circles, and the Mayan Calendar, and also from her vast array of enlightened teachings to include her book, The Mayan Code. On November 6th, Chrissy Blaze will appear to discuss her latest astrological book release, Baby Star Signs, who portrays the new children of today as quote-unquote old souls who have come here during the crossroads to shift humanity to enlightenment during its evolutionary development. On November 13th, Barbara Marks Hubbard, a leading pioneer of conscious evolution, will be appearing with her expansive consciousness and meaningful book releases, Conscious Evolution, Awakening the Power of Our Social Potential, and her more recent release, Emergence. On November 20th, Neil Donald Walsh will make an appearance with his two latest book releases, Conversations with God, An Uncommon Dialogue, Embracing the Love of the Universe, and Conversations with God, An Uncommon Dialogue, Living in the World with Honesty, Courage, and Love. More of the divine wisdom from a dedicated spiritual master. On December 4th, please join me with Albert Clayton Golden and his authentic perspective in his re-release by Simon & Schuster of his book, You're Not Who You Think You Are, A Breakthrough Guide to Discovering the Authentic You. Albert will bring a new lens to authenticity and expand your horizons. Please join us. On December 11th, Chrissy Blaze will be reappearing with her other latest astrological book release, Superstar Signs, Sun Signs of Celebrities, Heroes, and You. Join us as we delve into the astrological realms and discover our true nature. On December 18, 2008, Jerry Wenstrom will appear with his passionate warrior story of transformation during his personal spiritual journey in his long-lived book, The Inspired Heart, An Artist's Journey of Transformation. On January 1st, Richard Lawrence will appear on Evolution Revolution with a two-hour New Year's special. During the first hour, Richard will guide you to unlock your psychic powers with his latest book release. And be sure to join us during the second hour when Richard will unveil the mysterious truth about UFOs. Richard and I truly look forward to you joining us for our most special New Year's 2009 broadcast of Evolution Revolution. On January 8th, Eliza Matadalian will offer her wisdom and healing teachings that offer refreshing perspective, focusing on the transformation into the bliss and awe of one's divinely true being in her wondrous book release, In Search of the Miraculous, Healing into Consciousness. Please see our upcoming shows for our other guests at www.com evolutionrevolutionradio.com. You can purchase all of the author's books featured on Evolution Revolution at www.amazon.com or link up to their individual websites through the Evolution Revolution homepage. Please join me in the upcoming weeks on the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution. Additionally, please explore the Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors that can be found on the Evolution Revolution homepage or on iTunes in the podcast section for any time listening. The archive shows are available 24 hours a day at no charge and include amazing talent such as Robert Bruce, Sarah McLean, Michael Tamora, Alan Arcieri, Chrissy and Gary Blaze, Dr. Daniel Condren, Gary Zukoff and Linda Francis, Neil Donna Walsh, Dr. Barbara Condren, Jeff Brown, Michael Brown, and more. Please share Evolution Revolution with others who may desire to join us in the future for an enlightening experience. I am a metaphysical teacher, healer, and spiritual counselor who offers clairvoyant readings via phone, allowing me to connect with people anywhere. Please visit my website at www.dulcineasdivinevision.com on the clairvoyant reading page, which includes client testimonials and my contact information. A divine and spiritually enlightened experience awaits you. Also, please explore my blog at www.evolutionrevolutionwithdulcinea.com for weekly postings and guest announcements for Evolution Revolution. Co-create with Evolution Revolution. We are seeking partners to help Evolution Revolution evolve and expand to even more people across the globe. If you are interested in partnering and supporting the rapid development of Evolution Revolution, please explore the Radio Sponsors tab at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. I look forward to hearing from you about the infinite possibilities to co-create in the highest light and with the grandest intentions. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution this evening with my honored guest, Robert Schwartz. Thank you so kindly, Robert, for joining us this hour. Thank you for having me.
We truly appreciate it. Please keep us up to date with your, your forthcomings and any books that you have. We'd love to share and have you back on again. Thank you. I'd love to come back. Great. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I, I wish you all abundant peace, joy, miracles, and love today and always. Abundant angel blessings. Good night.